What a powerful time of worship was that, huh? Wasn't that cool? Wasn't that powerful, man? Give it up for the, the band and the leadership. And I saw that, yeah, give it up to him and <clears throat> God's presence. And I'm just I'm grateful to be back here, not to a, a building, but to a people. Uh, that's what we're about, uh, people becoming and belonging through loving God, loving others, and making disciples. And so I uh, love it. I'm so thankful here and thankful for Pastor Mark and his leadership and for the opportunity to be able to speak with you this morning. But before we go forward, would you do me a favor? Go ahead and turn to somebody next to you and greet them. Say, it's good to see you. You can say, if you're even feeling bold, you can say you're looking good this morning. Don't be creepy. Just, you know, let them know they're looking good. It's all good. It's all good. For those who are joining from church at home, welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad you are joining us. But um, maybe if you have your, your Bibles or your devices, you go ahead and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verse 13 uh, through 35, we'll be digging in to this morning. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Matthew Cogswell. I'm the next generation pastor here. I get to oversee the middle school and the high school students. I normally would be dispersing with the middle school students um, when they said to head out, but, um, but I'm going to hang out with you guys uh, this, this morning. So um, this morning's message is entitled, The Undercover Boss. The undercover boss, and you'll understand why in, in just a few minutes. But um, Pastor Mark, he, he messed up. He did something pretty dangerous. He said, you can preach on anything you want, Pastor Matt. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, ooh, hey. I'm going to start thinking about all the, the, the passages and opportunities to, to be able to, to speak this morning with you. And, and as I, after I geeked out for a little bit, I, I prayed, of course, and asking the Lord what he wanted to speak and teach us this morning, especially coming off an incredibly powerful series, that My Story Resurrection Easter series, so, so powerful. And, uh, and so as I was praying and seeking the Lord, I, I kept on going back to this unique point in time in Scripture that, that's directly after the resurrection that we don't really um, hear too much about. Um, and you don't have to go to this passage, but it's uh, Acts chapter 1, verse Three will be on the screen. It it describes why this period of time was so powerful, and it's uh it says this it says during the forty days after he had suffered and died, Jesus appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. So for over 40 days, over a month and some change, it says that we have Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, um, lingering around, appearing to his disciples from time to time. And, and uh, if you're looking at the scriptures and kind of studying it, there's, there's actually 11 separate occasions where Jesus appears to his disciples many times without them even knowing what was happening and who they were talking to. And as I begin to kind of read this passage found in Luke chapter 24, verse 13, my heart just started to, to leap with joy. I love this passage. There's so much in here, and you'll see why. But it's, just, it's filled with so much power and drama and, yes, even humor. How many of you guys know that God is a God of humor, right? He, he, he's a God of humor. And, uh, uh, and so he is, he is hilarious at, at, at times, but he's also the boss, as we'll, we'll see. And so, um, yeah, I, I, as I'm reading this passage, I couldn't help. 
I'll put this down. I couldn't help but to think about the show, The Undercover Boss. How many of you guys have seen The Undercover Boss? I love it. Pretty much all of you, right? You guys are all, guys are, that's good, that's good. And for those of you who, who, who don't know what The Undercover Boss is all about, let me just kind of, uh, kind of fill you in. It's about these high-level executives who leave the comfort of their offices and they begin to um, immerse themselves in, within their organization in these low-level jobs all to be able to find out what is going on in the culture of their business, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? And, and, and how do they do it? They do it undercover. Okay, yes, we're good. We're on, the, we're, on the, we're on the same track here. And so since I speak to youth, um, I'm, I'm gonna, I brought my disguise and, you know, I brought my, my props because I gotta have some props. And, and, and so, you know, just be careful. I may just, you know, slip out from your perspective here. You don't know who's actually up here. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and, and, and there we go. All right. And, and, and so, um, these undercover bosses with, um, professional help. Uh, <laughs> that I do, and with some actual good artists that put together this uh, disguise, we have these bosses talking with their employees who have no idea what's going on. So I can tell with you guys is like how you're looking at me. I am super in disguise, but I don't want to distract you. So I'm going to take this off right now. Might be some little hairs lingering around. It's all good. I need them. Um, so. Um, so we have this undercover boss, and I love this show. I mean, it can get a little corny sometimes. It's all good, but, but there's so, something so cool about this show is because you have these undercover bosses going in, and I love hearing the stories that take place when they're asking their employees these probing questions, Right? They're getting to know these employees and where they come from and, and why they took the job and their heart and their motives. And, and a lot of the times their stories are super touching, right? They've overcome a, t- a ton of challenges. They mean they know what the deal is. They know what the actual vision and the, and the heart of it, and they're living it. Now, on the other hand, there's some that, that don't, right? We, we know that there's some others that, that, that don't, but but why are you talking about this undercover boss, Pastor Matt? I'm, I'm, I'm talking about it because there's something that happens and there's something special in, in this passage where you're going to see that there are followers of Jesus who are talking with the very resurrected Jesus, but they have no idea who's in their midst. Let's go to Luke chapter 24. Verse 13, it says this, says, That same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself comes walking up alongside them. But they were, what, kept from recognizing who he was. Bottom line for this morning is this. There is much, much more happening than what the eyes can see. There is much more happening than what the eyes can see. You see, it starts off by saying that same day, and we'll find out what that means. That same day was the day of uh, referring to Sunday. It was the third day since Jesus 
had been crucified. It was the, the third day. It was the same day that the Mary and some of the women went to the tomb to, uh, to, to take care of the body. Uh, so they thought. And, and, and then you have two of them. What? Two meaning followers of Jesus, not the original 12, and they were walking to a village called Emmaus about seven miles away from Jerusalem. Seven miles away from Golgotha. Seven miles away from the cross. Seven miles away from the disciples and the fellowship. Seven miles away from the drama. How many, how many guys have experienced? We just want to kind of get away from all the stuff that you've been experiencing. So they, I think that's what's happening here. These disciples are getting away from it all. But this wasn't some isolated incident with these followers of Jesus. No, this was actually big, big news. Why? Because of the crucifixion spread throughout Jerusalem. Because there was this was Passover week. This was this is a high holy day where the Jews from all over the Roman Empire would come together to celebrate the Passover. And when they came, they got so much more. They found out that there was this this prophet, this teacher, this this infamous man named Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. And so it was the talk of the town. It was it was actually national news. And so it says they were talking about everything that had happened and discussing it together. Now, when you kind of picture this in your mind, you may think, oh, well, these are kind of like just some friends coming, walking along this countryside road. Then they're just kind of discussing things together. No, no, no. No, actually, the, the, the phrase that is um, translated here as talking, discussing could actually better be translated as disputing or conversing. In other words, it was getting a little heated. There, there is a little tension. There was, there was so much emotion going on there. Why? Because they had invested in this Jesus, hoping that he was going to be the Messiah, only to find out that he was not going to fulfill the expectations that they had for him. So they're trying to figure it all out. And as they're going, and as they're kind of going back and forth, we have Jesus himself coming up, alongside them, but they have no idea that it is him. I told you, undercover boss, right? Undercover boss. And so maybe you ask the question, well, how, why didn't they recognize him, right? What did he look like? What was going on? Was it, did he have a wig on? What would the, did he have a hat? Like, what was it the time of the day? What was going on? Like, why couldn't they recognize who he was maybe they were distracted by the fact that they were emotionally just so overwhelmed with what's going on and and you know how that goes you go out through your day and you're just so caught up and you kind of forget the details you forget the things and the people that are around you sometimes and and so maybe that was happening or maybe maybe there's something supernatural taking place here too see whatever you may think one thing's for sure there was much much more happening than what the eyes can see. Verse 17, it says, Jesus, the undercover boss, hey, what are you like discussing together as you walk along? And it says that they stood still, their faces were downcast. It shows that, man, this is the depth of their emotional pain, kind of where they are, and also how stunning of a question this must have been for these followers. It says in verse 18, one of them, verse 18, one of them named Cleopas asked him, 
Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know all the things that have taken place here? Translation, do you live underneath a rock or something? Like, what do you, what do you mean what's happening? What do you mean, what, what are we talking about? Don't you know? Like, this is, this is national news. This is, to put it in perspective, go back to 2020. I know you don't want to go there, right? but go back to 2020 mid, mid-year when just the height of COVID, the height of all the uncertainty, the height of all the fear, height of all the drama, and you have somebody walking up to you as you are maybe going to the mall or whatever, trying to go out somewhere, and they're like, hey, why are you uh, wearing a mask, sheltering in place? What's going on, right? It's like, wait, What? Are you, are you joking? Wait, no, matter of fact, that's actually not a good joke because I'm actually kind of offended, right? Like, people are dying, you know, and people are getting sick. What are you talking about? This is national news. But Jesus, the undercover boss, continues, verse 19, what things, he asks, just keeps going. Is, is it me or is Jesus trolling them? Is he trolling them? <laughs> right? For those of you guys that don't know what trolling, you're like, wait, what do you mean by trolling? It's that internet slang, right? For when you, somebody goes on the internet and intentionally stirring things up. You know what I'm talking about. Like they're just the, the warriors of the keyboard and they're just kind of like stirring things up, trying to get the, kind of get everybody riled up and they're getting frustrated and, and, and angry, right? We, you've been on the Facebook, Twitter, you know what's going on. It's like, what do you, what do you mean? Are you just intentionally stirring things up? What is going on here? What is going on? So, was he trolling them? No. <laughs> no, he was not. Right? That's, he wasn't intentionally just trying to annoy them, to stir them up, right? He, but the question may be asked, was he testing them? That is interesting, right? Because in the episode of Undercover Boss, you know exactly what's going on, right? You're seeing this, that he's the, the boss is asking the questions, right? They're, he's kind of probing a little bit. Hey, so like, what's going on? Like, what, do you understand what you're doing? Like, oh, and kind of fumbling around, pretending to be some like random employee just to kind of see what's going on, this, the, just to see what the inside scoop is. If they were at Chick-fil-A, the undercover boss is waiting and watching to see if when the customer says thank you that the employee says what? It's, your, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure, right? So they got to check me out. What is going on? It's kind of a test. And I hate to break it to all the students in the room this morning, but can I just tell you that the testing doesn't end once you graduate? Sorry. If you're a follower of Jesus, there's going to be tests. Can I get an amen? You know, and, and, and I'm telling you, it's not a... There's some good news to it. There's some purpose behind the test. We find it in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the what? The testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let what? Perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, not lacking anything. See, there's a testing that God does in our faith that he wants to mature us, to grow us. And we can, because of that, we can consider it good news. We can consider it joyful. So, what's your response? What's my response? What's their response? Verse 19, let's see what, we'll see what their response is. It says about, <laughs> again, following up this, 
this question, what things happen. They say, about Jesus of Nazareth, they reply, come on. Don't you know, like this is, this is the, the a prophet. He was powerful in word and in deed before God and all the people. Don't you know, this is Jesus of Nazareth. The chief priests, however, our rulers handed them over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was going to be the one that was going to redeem Israel. You see, they had expectations. See, they had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. And, and, it, and it begs the question, and actually begs this truth here, that sometimes our expectations have a way of either clarifying or clouding the truth. I'll say that again. Our expectations of who God is sometimes, can they have a way of clouding or clarifying the truth? They had an expectation that Jesus was going to set up an earthly kingdom. You see, they had an expectation that Jesus was going to be this military, political ruler is going to bring them back to the heydays, their glory days, that there is going to be freedom. They're going to set them free from all these Roman oppressors, that there is going to be, this is going to be, this, this is going to be back in the day. We're going to bring it back, bring it back. But that wasn't the case. Oh, how frustrating it is when our expectations of how God should move and, and, and how we should move in our lives and, and, and what we see in our own, wor- in our own world and the, and the life around us that they don't match. How frustrating that is. Right? Can I get an amen? That is frustrating. Come on, like, God, like, you were supposed to be doing this over here, but I see this right now. What's the difference? What's going on? Can we bridge the gap a little bit here, please? See, the expectation. We all have expectations, don't we, whether we realize it or not. You see, we've got expectations for marriage when the rings go on the fingers, don't we? Amen? we got expectations for how the school year should be. We got expectations of how that job that you applied for should have turned out. We got expectations for what the government should or shouldn't do in our world, right? We got expectations of how our vacation should have gone, right? Amen? It should have been something different. That vacation, come on, we had to play it out. There's expectations. Some of you have some expectations of how retirement should look like. But how do you and I deal with our unrealized expectations? How do you and I, as followers of Christ, as people who are trying to figure things out, how do we deal with our unrealized expectations? How are we to respond when God doesn't perform the way that we want? Enter disillusionment. And it reminds me of last week's testimony from Stan so powerful. Golly, it was powerful. If you guys didn't get a chance to see it, go on Facebook. You'll have the testimony there. But Stan grew up as a, as a young, devout, Jewish, Orthodox man. And, 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 and as he grew up, he became more and more disillusioned with God. Between his faith that looked for a conquering Messiah but left no room for a suffering servant... 
to his time in serving in, in the war, the Vietnam War, where he saw horrific things happening and began to wonder, where is God in all of this? Is God even living? Like, where is he? To the losing of family members, he began gaining, became getting disillusioned. And I wonder if there's anybody here this morning who's a little bit disillusioned. I wonder if there's anybody here that is, that has had some unrealized expectations that have gotten you in a tailspin and you don't know where you are or where God is. Can I just tell you right now, hold on. Hold on. Because there's much more happening than what your eyes can see. There is much more happening in your life than what your eyes can see. You see, these disillusioned followers had expectations for Jesus and who he was going to be. They could confidently say that he was a man of God. Check. They could say that he was a prophet. Yes. Check. They could say he was unjustly crucified. Yes. Check. But when it came to him being their deliverer that was going to rescue them from their temporary situations and bring him, bring home the victory, I couldn't check that off. I think if we're honest, with ourselves, it's easy to lose hope in the situations of our lives when things don't work out the way we hope them to work out, no matter what the evidence is provided. Right? We can say we're looking at it impartially, but sometimes the evidence can get twisted and we can kind of lose focus of what's being happened. And that's what's happening here. They're, but they're wrestling with these, these followers. They're still wrestling with the evidence, though. You see it in verse 22. It says, in addition, some of the women, he said, some of the women amazed us, though. Man, they, they went to the tomb to go see Jesus' body in the, early in this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels and that, yeah, said that he was alive. Then some of our companions, they said, they went to the tomb to check things out. And sure enough, there was no body, but there also wasn't any Jesus alive. So how do you think the undercover boss responds? It may not be the way you may think he does. Verse 25, he says to them, how foolish you are. What? How foolish you are, he says, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he began to explain to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Powerful. Now you may be asking the same thing that I asked Jesus. Isn't that a little insensitive? Like that's a little bit harsh. Call him foolish? What's up with that? Like, what? Like, don't you understand that they're disillusioned? Don't you understand they're going through stuff? Don't you understand, like, that they actually cared about you? They maybe were kind of struggling with you being the actual Messiah or not, the risen one, but, but they still, like, loved you. Like, what, what, what is going on? What do you expect from them? And, man, I begin to wrestle with this passage, asking the Lord, like, like, I need to know your heart here because I'm struggling with this too. Like, what is going on here? Calling them foolish. And I began to think about how God, he absolutely wants to hear our frustrations. 
He absolutely wants to hear our expectations. He knows that we are wrestling with doubts. He knows that we are wrestling with different fears. He knows that we're having trouble in our, in our lives and in those areas and those things. And, and it doesn't, it does not scare him when you bring your doubts to him. It doesn't scare him when you share your expectations. You say, I'm struggling with this, Jesus. But then I got this little twist here when the Lord said, but have you considered my expectations for you? I began like, dang, you're stepping on some toes now, Jesus. Come on, man. Like, like, does, is not, doesn't he not have expectations for us? Is they not, are they not valid? Are they not just even more valid at times? And I ask this question, what do we do with the knowledge that we have? What do we do with the knowledge that we have? You see, this undercover boss breaks the silence to bring a reproof, this, this correction that seemingly these, um, this um, oblivious stranger who's before them asking these obnoxious questions, stirring things up. And, and it seems like this is like, what is going on here? He begins to flip the script and all of a sudden he calls them foolish. How foolish you are. And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. You see, I, I think there's some this morning, and you've been kind of taking this narrative and these lies of the enemy that have said that there's no way that God would ever forgive you for such and such. And Jesus is saying, how foolish. Oh, but God, you don't know what I did and how I, I did it. He's saying, how foolish. Could God ever forgive me for getting a divorce? I don't know if he'd ever forgive me. I don't know if he would ever do it. He won't do it. How foolish, Jesus says. How foolish. Don't you know? Don't you know? It was written. It's written. He begins to speak to these followers. How many of you guys know that when we refuse correction, Proverbs 15 says that it's like you're refusing, you're like despising your own soul. We need to receive correction at times. The same God that comes in and comforts you, and I'm so thankful for his comfort, is the same God that also comes along and says, I need to bring some correction here. You see, because there's some things that you're thinking, that you're believing, that you, are, that you have believed in for these, for these years that has kept you from being able to see me and how I'm moving and how my kingdom is moving in your life. You see, sometimes... I can't get off this because this is really the, the heart of a lot of this. Sometimes, man, I, I don't need somebody to say, hey, hey everything is going to be all right. I need somebody to say, hey, wake up. Look, there's, there's, you're, you're fixing your eyes on things that are temporary. I need you to fix your eyes on things that are unseen. I need you to remind yourself who is really in control. Because the Bible says that he's working all things together for the good of those who love you, who are called according to his purpose. See, it was his purpose. He's fall, he followed up his question, which pointed the reason for the unbelief. He said, what, what, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter his glory? 
And they had confused their own expectations with the hope God was offering, and they had failed to see God's ultimate purpose at hand. How foolish. How foolish. But it's not the word saying how you're being stupid. No, this mean is is this word is implying more that they weren't properly attending to the evidence that was being presented. It's the same word that the Apostle Paul used in, in Galatians chapter three, verse one, when he calls the no, them foolish. And he says, have you been bewitched or something? And what was he saying? He's saying that the gospel, that Jesus was clearly being um, preached to them, they, the crucified Jesus, the resurrected Jesus was be- clearly presented to them. But what ended up happening is they began to get um, caught up with all of these um, qu- easy uh, 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 tradi- the traditions and these beliefs and these, um, these perspectives of who God is that were kind of clever on the outside. You know, they had people that had PhDs D's behind, you know, in front of their name, and, and they began to get twisted up into believing some things that were underlining, that were undermining the authority of the scriptures. I wonder if any of us have dealt with that before. What are you saying, man? I can't, I can't question, I can't, I can't doubt like this. No, 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 no. On the contrary, God is saying he's given us minds. Use them. Use them. Use it absolutely reason. Now, some are, there's some people that think that, that the word faith means to believe something without any reason and or to even to believe something in the face of reasons not to believe it. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look at the evidence that's being presented. Examine it. Now, it's interesting. Jesus didn't say, you were slow to believe the witnesses of, of, of the women or the other disciples who confirmed that his body wasn't there. No, he said, you were what? Slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. You see, they had read the prophets and, then, and they knew what was spoken, but they had failed to perceive and apply it to Christ. How, how many of you, man, how, how do we know that, man, how powerful would it have been when he began to open up the word beginning with Moses and all the prophets and begin to explain to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. How powerful, how powerful would that have been to be there? He's opening the scriptures up. But how it's so more important for us to understand that the scriptures, all of scriptures are not pointing to Moses. All of scriptures are not pointing to David. No, 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 all the scriptures are, 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 are pointing to the apostle Paul or Peter. No, the, it says all the scriptures were pointing to Jesus. Jesus is the pinnacle. Jesus is, is the author and perfecter of our faith. It is Jesus who is our model for life in ministry. It is Jesus. So perhaps this undercover boss, man, maybe, maybe started at Genesis 3 verse 15 the first promise of the Redeemer. Maybe he traced it through the scriptures and, and maybe he, he even lingered around Genesis 22, which tells of Abraham placing his only son on the altar. Surely he touched on Passover, the Levitical sacrifices, the tabernacle ceremonies, the day of atonement, the bronze serpent that was lifted up in the wilderness in Numbers 21 the suffering servant in Isaiah 53 or the prophetic Psalms in 22 and, and, and 69. And I can just picture their eyes just like 
blowing up like, oh my gosh, who is this dude that's opening up the word, the Torah to us in such ways? This is like, who is this dude? I guarantee you, they were blown away. Because in verse 28, it says this, it says, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But then they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. You didn't know that Jesus had acting skills, did you? Right? You just fixed it. Jesus is like, all right, good talk, guys. Well, guess I'm going home now. See ya. Bye. You know, just walking by, right? Pretending as if he's going by. <laughs> and and you have the disciples like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't go. I mean, it's, it's laid out, right? You need to stay here. Like their hearts were like on fire. They knew that there's something happening. They're like, no, 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 you can stay here. Just stay. You can stay here. You see, we all have those uh, those those friends that have imposed themselves coming over, right? You ever had that friend? He's like, I'm coming over to your house, and you're like, okay. It's like, don't want to, I just want to go and rest. I don't know why they want to come over. And they're coming, coming over the door. Like, they like impose on you. How many of you guys have had some imposing friends that, that have kind of come into your, <laughs> I got a friend of mine saying, it's me. Uh, you know, it's a, it just kind of reminds me of Urkel. Who loves Urkel? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little tangent here. But, but go home, Steve, go home. So, no, no, no. But here's the deal. There's something different when the owner of the home invites the person in first, right? It's a whole other story when there's an invitation. And what happens is they begin to, verse 30, it says, something special happens when they invite him in. It says that when they're at the table, Jesus took the bread gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. Sound familiar? And then their eyes were what? Were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. The big reveal, right? No longer was this some perceived stranger, some random visitor. No, now their eyes are opened to see the real boss in their midst. Final point, can I just say this? There's only so much you and I can see until we invite Jesus in. There's only so much that you and I can see until we invite Jesus in. Some say that, that home is where the heart is, right? And, and so, so we have this situation here. You see, their eyes weren't opened when, when they were walking on the road when they first saw him. Their eyes weren't opened even when the scriptures were, were, were being expounded upon. Yes, there was some understanding and they were getting excited, but their eyes weren't open yet. When were their eyes opened? When they invited Jesus in. You see, I, I wonder this morning if, the, if Jesus has been kind of walking around your heart for some time, walking around your home, and you just kind of, you invite me in? What's up? I mean, I got places to go, but I don't know if you like me. You invite me in? 
I wonder, I wonder if there's some people here this morning where you may have invited Jesus in just, just to the door front, just to, just to live, just get your step in, you know, cause there's COVID and all. I don't want to get too close, you know what I mean? So just kind of invite him in. And I believe that Jesus is saying, Hey, why don't you invite me in? There's so much more that's happening than your eyes can see. And it begins in what? A personal relationship with him. We begin to, that, that, that dinner was intimacy. It's a picture of intimacy, spending time with, with Jesus. I wonder, I wonder if there's some areas in your home right now that you've just kind of neglected to invite Jesus in because, you know, I just don't have all the details yet. I just don't, I don't know. And you're trying to work things out and you're trying to manipulate and kind of, kind of get things in, in line so that it all makes sense. And, and you're waiting for the, the, just the, the details and all the steps to kind of line up before you invite him in because, man, I, I got a really, I got the scientific mind. I got, I'm a kind of empirical kind of dude. So I got to know whether or not this is real deal. And Jesus is saying, hey, invite me in. Because there's so much more than the eyes can see. Man, it is quiet in here. It is quiet. Has Jesus been knocking at your door and, and you've kind of been pushing away and there's been a lot of evidence, but you kind of want to do your own thing? And you're wondering why there's a disillusionment, there's a disconnect, and you're wondering why you're not feeling, experiencing the love and the intimacy in a relationship. He's saying, welcome me in. Welcome me in. There's much more than what the eyes can see. Don't you understand that he's got a plan? Don't you understand that this boss is in control? Don't you understand, man, I think we're getting so caught up with, with the things that we see around us and we're getting so kind of um, just uh, confused and, 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 and discouraged because we're not seeing God move and act the way he, he's supposed to, man. It's like showing up last Sunday morning, hearing a resurrection message saying, yes, going home, and you realize, man, is this still, like, what is going on here? I don't see the connection. Jesus said there's more. He's speaking to some of you here this morning, reminding you, loving you, drawing you, wanting for you to know who he is and to see his plans. Are you inviting him in? Are you inviting him in? Verse 32, I love this. They see Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, and he disappears from their eyes, and they turn to each other like, I told you, bro, I told you it was him, I told you. Like, they're kind of thinking, like, didn't we understand? It was like burning inside of my heart. He, it's him, it's him, it's him. And, and you see, remember, it was seven miles away, Jerusalem, seven miles walking distance. It wasn't, it wasn't any car, no scooters or anything like that. And they'd just gotten there, and all of a sudden, they said, no, we see Jesus. We need to go back, and we need to tell the others. Can I tell you something? When you know Jesus, when you have an encounter with Jesus, when you experience him in your life, I don't care what obstacles are in your way. You got to tell somebody. You got to let them know. You got to be living it. You know, it doesn't matter what you go through. You're saying, there's something about this Jesus. I wonder if you invited him in. I wonder if you've invited him in. And I'll close with this question. If he's the boss, 
Are we being faithful workers? If Jesus is the boss, are we his faithful workers? We've seen some of those episodes of Undercover Boss, right? Not every, not every one of them ends with, hey, I'm going to give you a brand new car and $30,000 and all, right? It's not, not all those episodes end like that. Why? There was no relationship. They were just kind of going through the motions. Man, I saw this one episode. I was like, oh, I'm going to check out this episode I haven't seen in a little while. This kid was being an absolute snot. I mean, this dude, this kid was being, he's a, you know, this prideful, he was like 16, 17, and he was like, oh, I can do whatever I want and say whatever I want, and, you know, and he, and, the, and meanwhile, the undercover, like the boss is right there with him. He's supposed to be training him. Oh, well, I just don't like people. And inside, she's like, because there's a woman, she's like, what are you? You don't like people, but she's kind of keeping it cool. I just, you know, I just, you know, those elderly people, they're just, they're just stupid. And I don't like, I like, I pretty much know everything around here. So I'm good. Literally, I'm watching this. I'm like, Lord, (laughs) and we can smile and, and laugh about it. But here's the deal. When I say Jesus is the boss, it's no joking matter. Jesus is the boss. Don't get it twisted. Don't let all what you see around you get it twisted because there is a Jesus who's coming back, y'all. Can I say it again? There's Jesus is coming back. Amen. We should be getting excited. Some of us get excited and some of us are also thinking, oh, dang. Can I tell you something? We don't deserve God's presence. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. We could never work enough and do enough good deeds to earn it. His love and his presence is more than enough. His grace is sufficient for our weaknesses. His love endures beyond what you could ever imagine. His peace passes all understanding. No arguments, no clever uh, arguments put together and talking about who God is, all that. All of that changes when the resurrected Jesus walks in the room. Oh, but Jesus, I got things I got to do. I Jesus is in your midst. The undercover boss is present and he's in control. If he's the boss... I is faithful worker. Can I just tell you if you're feeling that conviction right now? Good. That's a loving conviction. Can I tell you it's good news for you? He's ready and willing to say, Come 
son, come daughter, don't you know, don't you know how much I love you? Don't you know? But I don't want you to come that close to you. Don't you understand how foolish? I, I made that mistake again and again, and I keep getting it wrong. How foolish you are to think I would ever walk away from you. Or ever walk away from a heart that is genuine to me. I wonder if you've invited him in. He's coming back. You may not understand all that's going on. The things that you're seeing doesn't like the matchup. But can I tell you, it's written. He's coming back. And when he comes back, it ain't going to be a disguise. It's not going to be undercover. I'm talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the author and perfecter, the creator and sustainer, the all-knowing, all-power, resurrected Jesus is coming back. The question is, is he your boss now? He's your savior, yes. He's your boss. Is he the Lord? He loves you. He knows exactly what you need when you need it. Let's close our eyes. Jesus, we don't need for you to physically walk in this room right now. Why? Because we know your word said that you sent another advocate, another helper, the spirit of truth. Holy Spirit, you are in this midst. You are here with us us. And my God, I pray for all of us here, Lord, who are struggling with unbelief. Father, for those who are disillusioned. Father, for those who are confused. Father, for those who are afraid. Father, for those who who don't know what to do in the next step, they don't know when they leave from here, they don't know what's going to happen or what they're going to encounter. God, I pray that in the name of Jesus that they call upon you. Jesus, they wouldn't play games. They wouldn't play the role. Father, may they invite you in with all the sincerity that is in their heart, knowing that you are a God who saves. You are the resurrected one. And because of that, all things are possible. Jesus. Father, I pray for us at your church that we would have a heart of discernment. 
God, may you give us a heart of discernment to, to recognize the signs of the times, Lord Jesus, that we would not be deceived by the this deceitfulness and the scheming of the evil one, Father. And in the name of Jesus, I come against every vain, pretentious, lying thought that sets us up against the true wisdom and knowledge and the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we bind it in the name of Jesus. And I pray, O oh Lord, that you would Fill hearts, those who are struggling, like the father with the child dealing with the sickness, Jesus. He said, Father, I, be- I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, help our unbelief. Jesus, help our unbelief. God, may you strengthen tired and weary bones, Lord. May you open the eyes of the blind, spiritually blind. May you open their hearts, O Lord. May they not wait to to get every single detail connected before they call upon you, Jesus, and invite you into their home, their life, the spaces of their life, every detail, God, trusting that you are who you say you are, my God.